Welcome to this mini-series called Sustainable Saturday with me, Bianca Foley. Today, I'm chatting with the CEO of Arena Flowers, John Hackett. As the industry's leading ethical and sustainable florist, they have set tough standards, established challenging ambitions and maintained their relentless commitment to improving the lives of people and planet. With almost a quarter of a century building international supply chains for flower businesses, John has worked in almost every sector. He's a stubborn optimist who passionately believes that business should always be a force for good. This episode is possibly one of my favourites, so let's get into it. Thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, Let's get into these questions. So, Arena Flowers is rated as the UK's most ethical florist. What is it that sets you apart from other florists? Well, thanks for having me. Um, I think everything is probably the answer. Um, we set, we, and that's a, a bit trite, but it's the truth. We, we, we set out originally to be a business um, that sought never to put profit above um, human dignity. Um, and no one involved in our business right the way through our supply chain should ever be even left in the same state as they were when we found them. Everyone should benefit from the work we do. And I mean that right from sourcing all the way through to dispatch. Um, so in every community that we touch, we've made it our intention to make lives better. And that means like everything from the way we source and where we source and who we partner with uh, to the way we transport products from sources to our, our place here in Troitwich. Um, and then the way we package it and present it and then the, the way we, we sell it on. All of those things are that that's a central consideration of everything we do. Right. So when we when, when we think about that and we think about the business in that frame, in that context, it forces us to behave differently to other businesses. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it's, it's great that's been recognised by um, the, 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 the Good Business Index. It's great that it's been recognised by Positive Luxury and lots of other uh, kite marks. But actually, they're lovely things. But the, the biggest benefit is that we know that we're making a big difference to the people that work for us here. You know, all our colleagues here are paid real living wage minimum. And in fact, we pay a 50p premium to real living wage um, for everyone. That doesn't matter whether you're a cleaner or... Um, anything else in the business and obviously the vast majority of people are skilled so they get paid way more than that but our commitment is to ensure that everyone's paid at least real living wage um, and then right the way through to um, our growers in Kenya right so we, we never buy anything that's not fair trade and we're only one of two businesses in the UK to commit to that the only other one is the co-op um, and so when you when you when you like with just a purpose right when you think like that and you're a purpose-driven business then it it impacts everything you do so it does I'm afraid come down to that really simple answer everything is different probably yeah. a nightmare today no, I genuinely I love that that's incredible to hear and we had a bit of a chat off camera and stuff and it's so nice to hear that there's there's a lot of humanity built into the business and you're not just thinking about profits at the end of the day and impact has kind of become the word of my week um I've spoken to a couple of different heads of businesses and all sorts of things and everybody keeps saying the same thing it's that whatever you're doing has an impact and you have to think about it whether it's on the planet or whether on the people you need to think about what that impact is going to be and you want it to be a positive one so it's really yeah. really wonderful to hear and I didn't realize that it was just yourselves in the co-op that had committed yeah, that. so that's fantastic you know it's, um, um, this is like uh trade secret lifting the curtain stuff right <laughs> but there's there's a there's, <laughs> you can you know, you, you can buy you can buy fair trade flowers, like you can buy a fair trade stuff, yeah. right? Um, and you can buy from fair trade farms. So the farms that have been accredited to become be allowed to sell retail fair trade products, they can produce, let's say, a million roses, right, in a week. 
Mm-hmm. And you can choose to buy 900,000 of those and only sell 50,000 of them as fair trade, right? Because if they're sold on your website or on your store as fair trade, wearing the fair trade badge, then they get the fair trade premium and the growers benefit from that. But the other 850,000 or percentage, pick a number, whatever it is, that you choose just to buy from that farm, but you don't want to retail as fair trade, well, they just get paid the non-fair trade price. And that's that's the kind of a real wow so so we could quite happily say oh we work with fair trade farms um and we have fair trade products on our website and that's fine the fair trade products have the fair trade premium and we do work with fair trade farms and that generally means a better code of practice and standard Mm. but actually if you want to make the real difference then you say every time we can buy a fair trade rose we pay the fair trade premium and that's what we do um and we are only us and the co-op that do that um every other Every other major UK retailer will have fair trade products and they're absolutely worth seeking out and absolutely worth encouraging people to participate in those because it's the right way to buy things yeah. if you can afford to do so. But um, it, it is a big distinction between just saying, yeah, we do buy fair trade rather than we will only buy fair trade. And that's what we do. So moving on to the next question, flowers are considered an agricultural product, meaning there are multiple factors to think about when beyond just how your blooms look. Because I think a lot of us kind of stop our thought at that kind of, it looks pretty and that's it. And as a result, there's some ethical issues to consider, which you did mention. Could you let us know a little bit more about how you source your flowers and I guess the ethics behind it? That's interesting. Um, So I I think there's two things here. one, we try and split out ethicality from sustainability, right? And, and that's just the way I see it. So the, the, <laughs> a lot of people will talk about ethicality like it's sustainability or sustainability like it's ethicality or like they're the same thing. They're just not, in my view. I mean, this is my personal opinion. My personal opinion is that sustainability is about building products and processes and businesses um, that look after the planet and the people on the planet in the broadest sense um, and making sure that that nothing you're doing is impacting natural resources in a deleterious way. And then the the ethical side is making sure that the the sort of heart of what we do, everyone in the business, everyone in our supply chain benefits from what we do and we're taking care of them and looking after them properly. That's people, right? So there's people and then there's um, and there's planet. And I think that for me neatly sort of separates the two things and for other people it'll be different things, but often often it's my experience that people talk about doing one thing and not doing both things, or that the two things are mutually exclusive when for me they're joined to the hip, but they're different. Um, so how, how, do we, how do we think about you know flowers? First and foremost, flowers should be like a joyous occasion, right? And you don't want to burden people with too much heavy nonsense that that makes the idea of buying a bunch of flowers just uh, mind melty um but but there are choices to make and that's it's unfortunate because if people did what we do if people thought about business like we do then these choices wouldn't exist and it'd be just as simple as i want to buy some nice flowers and i know that i'm doing no harm that's unfortunately the case um so for me People have to choose, you know, first of all, like, what, what, what do you want to do? If there are, you want to buy local? Of course you can, right? So buying local is a, is a good thing to do. When we think about sourcing, our first our first intention will be to source locally. Um, and we buy a little over a third now of our flowers come from the UK. But that's entirely dependent upon climatic conditions, right? You know, we think about... Like lockdown last year, everyone had this, everyone apart from you and I who were working flat out, I had this, um, this kind of enjoyed April because the weather was incredible, right? Um, whereas this April, it has been 
I'm not going to say the word, but let's, the let's opposite not even, of incredible. Let's not go there because it's May now and I'm still wearing jumpers and I'm quite upset about this. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got a horror show at the minute. I mean, this is like a complete digression, but I was like on 10 to hook Bianca on um, now, Thursday, Tuesday, because it was hail, right? And hail is running down the country. We've got a massive peony crop. Um, like the nation's favorite, yeah. land, literally sitting about 30 miles south, southeast of where that hail stopped. If that had come down, then those peonies the were gone, right? The whole season obliterated. Uh, and you know, we can find ways around that with the grower. That's a massive problem, right? So, yeah. anyway, this, this season has been. Think about just like nightmare, right? And then you think of flowers, you don't think yeah, about Totally, totally. And, and, and you know, events will happen, right? So, there will be like last year, what do we have? Loads of rain at the wrong time of June. Um, so there was like quite a lot of flowers got waterlogged and then that meant they couldn't be harvested. So by the time you get towards September, prices are up and then, oh, well, your prices are up. Well, you know, it's because there's none around. And if we want to source properly, then we have to consider that. Um, but anyway, back to your original question, apologies for my ramble. Um, the um, the way we source is, is somewhat different in that we think about like sourcing locally where we can, but then understanding that you know, sometimes the, the, not just the carbon footprint, but the impact to communities is better if we source beyond local. And then one of the challenges that we always have is like come November, December, we run a subscription service as well as a gift service. And I get loads of pushback from customers who are super loyal and super good people and desperately committed. But I cannot face another week of hydrangea. And you're like, you know, I don't know what else to do because we've got an alternative, which is we buy something further afield, but that doesn't fit with ethos and you know runs against thoughts. We're never going to do that. We're never going to compromise our standards. Um, so yeah, so we source local where we can, and then if we can't source local, um, we source the right product from the right place, and then we source from the right grower, and that's growers who share our commitment to doing things right. Um, and uh, sometimes you just have to look someone in the eye and sit across the table from someone to get a sense of are you genuinely, genuinely committed to what we're asking you here? Like, do you, are you, would you sacrifice your profit to do the right thing because it's just the right thing to do? Not because you're going to get a badge, not because you're going to get a medal, not because someone's going to say it's a lovely, just because it's the right thing to do. And if you don't get that that sniff test right, we ain't partnering with you. It just, it's funny what you said at the beginning about the ethicality and the sustainability kind of being interchangeable and a lot of people don't understand the true they're two very very different terms and I think that that's something that the work that I'm doing with these with these posts and the work that we're doing on sustainably influence what we're trying to kind of dispel that myth that they're the same thing they're very very different and they need to be considered in different ways as well but yeah. um I'm it's I'm you've really given me already some food for thought because I was thinking to myself when I when I reached out I was thinking you wouldn't think all of these things about flowers. There's so much that goes into it. You just think, I've got some flowers outside the front of my house. And I think, oh, I don't think anything more than they grow. If I wanted to yeah. make them, I could pick yeah. them and put them in a vase. But yeah. there's so much more that goes into it. And one of the biggest things that when I was doing my research and writing the questions that kept cropping up was carbon, the carbon footprint associated, associated with floristry, especially in the UK. Because as you said, we do try, you do try to source locally, but a lot of um, sellers do source further afield. And I personally had no idea that it was such a high percentage of flowers that we have that are imported. Is yeah. it better to import rather than using seasonal homegrown alternatives? Or is, is there a benefit or not? It's, it's, it's I mean, so I, again, I'd go back to, it's horses for courses. The, the, the right thing to do is to source locally where you can. That's definitely got the lowest carbon footprint for sure. 
Um, but there was a study done, I think in 2007. I mean, it's like freely available. I think it was like one of the universities, I think it might have been uh, Reading did it, which was um, looking at the carbon footprint of growing a rose and freighting it from Kenya, which is where most of the roses uh, sold in UK supermarkets and florists come from, is Kenya. Um, so yeah, the, the carbon footprint of that rose versus one grown in Holland under glass with lighting. Um, and it was about six and a half times more efficient, uh, less carbon hungry to um, to have your roses grown in Kenya and air freighted, which is like bonkers. Now, I think if we ran that study again today because of improvement in renewable technology and growing production in, in the Netherlands, it would still be in balance, like two and a half, three times different, but it's come down a lot. But there is no question, it's still, you know, natural light, natural climatic conditions, um, tightly packed air freight, all that kind of stuff. It is, um, it is less carbon hungry to, to take a Kenyan rose into the UK than it is to take a UK or Dutch produced um, because two weeks a year, natural sunlight, right? Yeah, I guess that we don't have as much or nearly as much sun as they would in Kenya. Nowhere so near. <laughs> Nowhere near as much sun. I mean, as we said earlier, it's May and I'm still wearing a jumper. Yeah, but yeah. It's just phenomenal. It's It does kind of blow your mind a little bit. I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, how, I, I'm, for me personally, I'm just trying to see where the benefit would be in doing that. But then as you're explaining it, it makes so much more sense to think that they've got the availability, they've got the sunlight, they've got the kind of the landscape to do it, whereas we don't and we're growing other things and exporting. But hey, do you know what? What, what makes the world go round, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's, it's, also, it's also, I mean, like, so I think I think there's, there's, there's you know, every, every you know, you, you've done this, right? You know, you know far better than I. Um, these issues are always complex, right? There's, there's never a, there's very rarely a, wow, that is the only right thing to do, right? In every circumstance, that's the right thing to do. Because, you know, if you if you remove product from Kenya, then jobs, right? And then the the, the emergence of a, a middle class and a, a growing industry and lots of stuff. But then you could also argue that there are lots of farms in Kenya where there are questionable practices around payment and, you know, a dollar a day being a, a satisfactory rate, and it's not, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. And what what does it mean for local climatic and geographic topographically? What does it mean for Lake Navasha? And then there's all sorts of challenges around, you know, water going back into the lake and abstraction rates. So it's super, super, super complicated. All I know in, you know, many, many years' experience of dealing with Kenya and, and this this sort of bonkers industry is that there are some farms in and around Lake Navasha that are among the finest examples of how to build and support communities of people who otherwise would not have employment. Um, genuinely never ceases to bring a lump to my throat and a tear to my eye when I think about some of the lives that have been transformed over there and um, some of the work that we do. We're, we're partnered with a charity um, uh, called Bread and Water for Africa. Um, and there's a school um, not far from Lake Navasha where a hundred orphaned or street orphaned children um, are educated and they've got a farm next door that grows produce specifically for them to raise money so it becomes a genuinely um, self-sustainable um, uh, community and, and, and so we, we sponsor some of the agricultural equipment and we also sponsor the kids to go through school um, and we, I mean, we, we rarely talk about this. It's like a, it's, it's a quiet kind of association. But that that is one of many, many examples, not of our business, but that, that happens to be our business, but of other businesses that do phenomenal things um, there. And so I would be, in many respects, you want to say just buy local, 
um, and that would always be my first intention. But when it comes to buying roses, I would always say buy fair trade roses, buy fair trade roses from Kenya um, and know that you are making sure that there's proper gender equality, proper balance um, tribally and that kids that might not otherwise get an education are getting a proper education yeah. um, and, 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 and be proud of the fact that you're, you're, you're buying into that, right? Going on to the next question, waste is a huge problem in the forestry um, industry, so from cuttings to packaging, again mentioning CO2 emissions, commonly used items like floral foam aren't recyclable or compostable. And how do you combat these issues to ensure that not only the business but your customers are able to reduce their waste? Another great question. Um, so we we, we've done lots of stuff to try and reduce um, freight miles and air miles and that sort of stuff. And it really comes down to some really, really simple things like when um, when we when we harvest our flowers, usually they're cut at like lengths like 55 centimetres or 57 centimetres. Um, and, and we've just knocked that back to 52. Um, so you say five centimetres or four. We, uh, we reduced a bit of stem length there and that has a big impact on the size of the boxes we use. And so you're reducing um, miles, carbon, uh, water and packaging. Um, and that's like small stuff, but compound has quite a big impact. We've done the same with our um, any green waste that we, we do take off the bottom of stems then goes into a, we've created a, a circular, a closed loop circular economy where we take the green waste, we send it to a paper mill. The paper mill is a specialist paper mill, it's a really old school, only a few of them left in the world. And that wow. paper mill can take the green waste and pulp it down and then incorporate it into second use material where we then create paper and we wrap our flowers in that paper. Um, oh, so that's it's phenomenal. That's like it's a full circle, right? like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, brilliant. It's, it's all stuff, right? And, and that, 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 that's, a, that's something I'm really, really proud of because no one else is doing it and no one else has done it and it's kind of unique and, you know, lovely. But it doesn't really solve all of it because we then we know that we ship those flowers to you in that paper and the paper is organic and can be composted and it's great. And the boxes we use are organic and composted and can be broken down. And we've spent years, and I'm not joking, like so long, so long developing that paper and also a ribbon that can naturally break down. So we wrap our boxes with a ribbon and we wrap the flowers in a ribbon. But there's there's a nice ribbon you can buy, but it doesn't break down. Or there's a sort Why of slightly- Why are we not cool. shouting about these things? Do you know what? And, and, and all I get is, I get customers going, have you, um, why are you using this shitty ribbon? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> it, it's nice ribbon, it's it just breaks down easier. And they're like, yeah, it's not as nice. You're right, it's not, but this but is it, what we're committed to. You want and, and zero it's, waste or you want exactly. lower waste and then that's and, how and, you and, get and, it. And home, home compostable, right? Rather than just yeah. industrially compostable. That's, um, and so that's the, a really fair point that you're making because there's a big difference there because it's all well and good saying something's compostable, but if you can't do it in your home and it's not accessible for the consumer, then what's the point? Totally. Totally, totally, totally. And that, that's, that's our genuine, that's our big thing, is that everything should be home compostable. And then we, we've moved from, so we, we send our flowers out as a gift. They, they'll, they'll come completely pre-made with this tied ribbon. And then there's like a cotton nappy. It's a, it's a, it's a proprietary <laughs> system, but it's like, it holds Oh yeah, water, it's, a, it's right? what so keeps like, the flowers um, yeah, exactly. hydrated, doesn't it? During, um, we can, we can call it all sorts of stuff, like a nutrient sleeve or something, but it's like a nappy. <laughs> uh, and then that's wrapped in a um, a biodegradable cello, um, and everyone thinks that's cellophane. And like, oh, but you say you're not you're not single use plastic free. We we are completely plastic free. This is, is it a just potato starch on a potato. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's not quite. It's it's, it's a it's a variant of, um, oh, nice. but it, it breaks down in a similar way. 
So, um, so yeah, so everything we do is, is compostable, but it still means, and this is the thing that I can't quite solve yet, is you've got, you've got our flowers and you've enjoyed our flowers and then you put them in your green bin or you put them in your compost heap or whatever. Compost heap's great, but if you put them in your bin, they're going to landfill, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a problem, right? It's a real problem. And so I'm, I'm at this stage now where, I mean, like we, we're engaging people, scientists, to look at ways we could repurpose consumers' green waste. And so you could do simple things, right? Like you can, we could work with companies to build a, a play, a, a, like a, a bottle bank type bin where you take your green waste and stick it in the bin at Tesco or Sainsbury's or whatever, and it's, it's fine. But then you're effectively creating a nitrogen bomb, right? Because <laughs> someone could throw yeah. a match in there, like that'd be horrific, right? So you've got to think about how you do that. So that's that's off the chart. We can't do that. But are there ways in which we could repurpose that? Are there ways in which we could take the green waste? You know, if you cut, we cut here at the factory. You know, take another couple of centimeters off before you send it out. That's what gives the product its life. Even though take all these two centimeters, what could we do? And I've got like genuinely, I've got some some stuff that I can't talk about because it's yeah. it's pioneering. But it is if we can get it done, it is transformational in a way, in a much bigger way than just our green waste paper being second. And and I think thinking like that and thinking about like it might take three years to do it, but if you do long term stuff, you've got benefits that are far outweigh you know the the, the time you've invested, and they're there forever. Um, and I think that's the way people have to think right if you're responsible about running your business responsibly and you're committed to being purpose-driven then uh, and purpose-led then you can only operate like thinking about every single element of waste in your chain and going how do i get rid of it not not it's hard to do i'll leave that till later how do i get rid of it we've got to get rid of it and if we you know if every business thought like we think then i'm pretty confident the world would be a better place and we'd be in better shape but we know they won't so we have to do everything we can with this business uh, to be confident that we're doing all we can to make the world or leave the world in better shape how could those of us who want to buy flowers and feel that we're buying from the most ethical places possible other than yourselves obviously, obviously thought, other than yeah obviously shame, shameless plugging about to go on <laughs> i should get out of this this is Oh dear, I for one used to put, like pick up flowers from my local supermarket, but now I try to buy from like, a, there's a local seller up the road, but I don't know where they're then getting their flowers from. So yep. are there ways of knowing which is better? And what can, are like my audience, your audience, just the general consumer watching this, what can they do to be better? I think like, fun- fundamentally it's, it's to ask, has the, wherever, you're, wherever you're currently buying your flowers from or the place you want to buy your flowers from, do they offer the things that we've talked about? You know, do, do, they, do they offer organic? Do they offer plastic free? Do they offer fair trade? Do they offer local seasonal? You know, if, if they offer those things and you know you, you trust that the provenance is genuine, right? Then that's a good thing because it gives you the opportunity to make informed choices. And I think that's probably all you can do. Um, if they don't, if they're not you know, proudly advocating for fair trade, if they're not proudly advocating for seasonal and local, if they're not able to tell you that there are options for, I don't know, low carbon and, and, and uh, plastic free, then I guess you have to think about whether that's the right place to be buying your product. Uh, um, and if it, if, okay. if they can't satisfy those questions, then there are always other options, right? And 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 there's nothing wrong with buying flowers from a supermarket. You know, there, there are there are some, some of the toughest, most exacting standards um, anywhere in the world for produce and flowers are included in that exist in UK supermarkets. Um, 
not always uh, bought in the nicest way, but you know they're exacting in their tough standards for, for good reasons. Um, and, and I think the co-op is a you know I, I know I know the co-op well, and and um, their flower supplier is is you know perfectly sound. Um, but the, the co-op the co-op insists on doing things properly, um, yeah. and I, I would absolutely say you know if you live to a local co-op and if it's a big enough store that you've got a decent range of flowers because sometimes some of the smaller ones don't but if you get to a store that's got the right sort of flowers then that's a good place to start um if you're going to buy from a supermarket obviously if you're going to gift flowers or you want a subscription buy from arena <laughs> <laughs> there's a big thing people talk about carbon neutrality and you can only wear a carbon neutral badge in the uk if you plant your trees locally right which is oh. mind-blowing to me absolutely blows my mind so the, the official badge of you know we're carbon yeah. neutral to zero right yeah. you can only do that if you're um if you plant your trees in in the country where you're selling your product well that's a crazy thing to do it's a crazy crazy thing to do and it's a crazy constraint to put on businesses because you plant a um, a pine in scotland or east anglia or wherever the hell you're going to plant it um, it will take 20 or 15 years to reach maturity and, and really suppress carbon properly. And then it's dormant for 62% of the year because winter, right? So hang on. Hang on carbon. Yeah, exactly. It's like you've got this stick that's doing nothing, but it, you know, you planted a million of them, that's okay. Whereas we plant mangrove and we plant it in Madagascar, which is climatic and equatorial and it does loads of stuff. One, it reaches maturity much quicker. Two, it sequesters carbon from day one below the ground as well as above the ground. Three, it protects uh, natural habitat um, and also reduces coastal erosion in communities where coastal erosion is a big problem. Um, and it provides employment for countries that have been blighted post-deforestation. Um, so it's like, why would you do anything that encourages businesses or dissuades businesses from doing the right thing, right? The right thing is to get as much carbon out of the environment as you possibly can. So plant trees that aggressively do that. Um, the right thing is to plant trees rather than just doing carbon offsets, right? So don't do offsets, plant trees, plant trees where they're going to most have most impact on, on the planet. If they can also have the dual and triple impacts of helping communities through coastal erosion and deforestation and employment, then for heaven's sake, let's do that rather than bunging it into some Scottish fir forest or Cornish pine forest that is going to have 15 years before it does anything. And it's that sort of thing, genuinely, that boils my mind i can't i can't get my head around why we would because we want it to be local why we would do that sort of stuff it, it, yeah. it drives me to distraction anyway i'm really sorry i should have i should no, have that, mentioned that that's earlier. brilliant i'm glad i'm glad that you did say it because that that's a really really poignant thing to, to include so it's definitely needed and it will get in the video um, but yeah no this was amazing so thank you so so much thanks so much to my guest today I've linked the full interview in the show notes if you want to have a watch. Please follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Sustainably Influenced. Season five of Sustainably Influenced is available to listen now on all good podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening.